I, uh, um, thanks. Oh, you got it? Thanks. Um, I'm going to just uh, share a shorter devotional today. We've been talking about fresh wind, uh, the wind of the Spirit in our lives. And uh, in, as we've talked about this in week one, Um, yeah, so in week one, we talked about the, the adventure of the spirit life, of life in the spirit, the adventure of following Jesus and living a, a spirit-led, spirit-empowered life. Um, you know, if, if your Christian walk, if your walk with Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if your Christian walk is boring, you are doing it wrong, okay? Because uh, we read in John, in, our, in week one, we read in John chapter three, verse eight, talks about how the, uh, uh, the, the wind blows where it will. We don't, no one knows where it comes from or where it's going, but we feel its effect, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That's, that's every follower of Jesus is born of the Spirit. And we're meant to be this, this you know, uh, unpredictable force of God's kingdom in the world. We're meant to live a life where God uses us everywhere we go. And we never know what God has around the next corner for us to do in his name and for his kingdom's sake. And, uh, and that's the kind of life that he calls us to. And, and then last week in, in part two of our series, we talked about um, the, uh, the things that help us position, to be positioned for the wind of the Spirit. So that the wind, we can catch the wind of the Spirit in our sails and go where he calls us to go. And, and so we talked about repentance we talked about expectant prayer. We talked about unity. And we talked about being open to new wineskin. I don't have time to explain that, but go back and listen to last week's message. But, but to be open to the fact that, that every move of God looks a little differently. God has something in store for us that we may not understand it all we may not you know it may not fit our boxes and that's okay right so I want to share just a, a shorter talk with you today a shorter devotional and then we're going to take some time a few minutes just to turn this room into a prayer prayer room for a few minutes and just to wait on God just God what do you want to say to me today what do you want to do in my life today so we want to make some room, some time for that this morning. I don't, have a, I don't have a title for this week's message, and I don't even have, well, it's not pointless, but I don't have clear points. I, I just want to share some scriptures with you. 
Okay? Um, so first of all, I want us, if you've got Bibles or Bible apps and you want to follow along, uh, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 9. This is the story of Elijah after he's faced off one prophet against a whole bunch of prophets of a false god, Baal, that was being worshipped by Israel at the time because they'd sold themselves out to their, the gods of the nations around them. But Elijah stood for the one true God and he faced off against these, these prophets and, and uh, there's a whole story there we don't have time to get into. But after, after all of that happened... Elijah was deflated, discouraged, even depressed. And uh, uh, so we're going to pick the story up at chapter, nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 9. Elijah has, 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 God told him to go to the mountain of God. Go to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And so, so he's gone there. Um, God supernaturally provided food for him and restored him. He spent a bunch of days just, just sleeping. How many know there are some days you just, you just got to just sleep it off, right? He was sleeping it off. But, um, but then he, uh, he goes, he responds in obedience. He goes to Mount Horeb. And then in verse 9, uh, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before Yahweh, before the Lord. But Yahweh was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Moves of God often are accompanied with a lot of Dramatic things that happen. They, off, they just often are. Um, and, and sometimes we need to realize that all the things that we associate with the glory and the power and the presence of God 
are not the glory and power and presence of God. They are the side effects. They're the signs of the glory and power and presence of God. But we get ourselves in trouble when we confuse the two. And here, Elijah's told by Yahweh, by God himself, go out of the cave, out to the mouth of the cave. I, Yahweh, the true and living God, is about to walk by you. And then there's a powerful windstorm. It's got to be a powerful windstorm to tear a mountain apart. Like it says, the, 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 you know, the mountain was being torn to shreds by this powerful, powerful windstorm. But God was not in the wind. Then there was an earthquake. God was not in the earthquake. And then a fire, blazing fire. God was not in the fire. I've, uh, you know, many of us in the room, and myself as well, have have been present for seasons and times in the church of moves of God. And and I've we've seen Pam and I and and our family. I mean, we've we've seen some interesting things, you know. And and maybe some of you have heard of things over the last thirty years that have accompanied. Moves of God, things like um, gold dust appearing in a service. It's like, what is that about? We've seen that. Things like um, feathers that uh, that just uh, kind of appear in 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 a in a powerful time of God's glory being manifest. Like weird things. Strange things. Even things like people falling down under the the presence and the glory of God when people are praying for them and things like that. Um, I would say, but the, 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 the thing is that those things are, or things, supernatural, strange things that happen, they're not God. They're not the things we're to seek after. They might be signs that God has done something. He's, he's shown up in a powerful way. But that's, that's not... I've seen people get off track chasing after these things. We've got to see these signs. We've got to see, see these things. Or, or, or God's not there. I love how it, it, it describes Elijah. All these powerful things are happening. Why didn't Elijah cover his face or pull his cloak over his face when the, that crazy wind was blowing? Or when the earthquake, you know, so he didn't breathe in dust? Or, or, or you know, when that, that blazing fire is going on? None of those things caused Elijah to put his cloak over his face. But the gentle whisper of God's Spirit. The holy, hushed moment of God's glory showing up 
And now Elijah pulls the cloak over his face and he, he knows God is here. God is here. I would suggest to you, might get in trouble for this one. I would suggest to you that even, even speaking in tongues, which I would say and our movement, the Pentecostal movement has said for decades is really important sign of the Spirit's power. And it's a really important tool to commune with God. But it's not the point. It's not the point. And if we overemphasize it, as important as it is, if we overemphasize it, it too can become a distraction. If someone's seeking the baptism, the, the, the power of the Spirit in their life, and the Spirit comes upon them and gives them the ability to speak in tongues, and then they say, there, I've got it, I've made it, what more do I need? And then they sit back and just cruise then it's become a distraction because it's not the point. It's not the point. The point is a spirit-empowered, a spirit-filled life that the Spirit of God would be working upon us and through us and in us. What if Elijah had got caught up with these other things, the wind, the fire, the earthquake, and failed to press through and failed to wait for the real thing? This whole story that we read would have ended very differently. I would suggest many people's true life-transforming encounter with God has been short-circuited because they chased a side effect instead of chasing God. They chased signs instead of chasing God. They've stopped at the door instead of entering into a, a spirit-empowered life that God wants them to live. Matthew 17. We're going to jump way ahead in our Bibles. Matthew 17. This is a really supernatural experience that happened in the life of Jesus and three of his, his disciples. Verse 1, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, just the four of them. He was there. Uh, there, he was, there he was transfigured transformed before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as 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 light just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah walking with Jesus so these two guys that have been dead for you know hundreds and hundreds of years 
are there walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, sorry. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone but what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? To be sure, Elijah does come and, rest and uh, will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood he was talking to them about John the Baptist. And then they come down to the bottom of the mountain. They, just, they come across this man who's brought his son, possessed of a demon, to the, to the disciples asking them to do something about it, and they, they can't. They, they tried, but they can't. And a, a crowd is gathering, and people are saying, what's going on here? And, and, and Jesus sets the boy free. So here's, here's the deal. Is, um, you know, as, as people who love the sense of God's presence. I think as as uh, you know in our in our movement, there's a there's a there's a sensitivity, there's an awareness, there's an openness to the the sense of God's presence among us. Right, the last few weeks we've really seen God come in in a unique way, in a special way, and His presence has been with us. Right. Um, and and we're, we're open to that. We're longing for that. We long for those mountaintop experiences. I mean, Jesus and his disciples had a literal mountaintop experience. They're up on the top of the mountain, and the glory of God comes, and they experience God's glory. And Peter, Peter wants, oh, we just need to stay here. Let's just bask in this forever. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to stay right here. We long for the mountaintop, but we are called to live most of our lives in the valley. We long for the mountaintop, but we're called to live most of our lives in the valley. When Peter said, let's just build shelters, let's just stay here. We just need to bask in the glory. Jesus is like, no, there's a little boy right down there who needs the glory of God to touch his life. And if we stay up here selfishly basking in the presence of God for ourselves, that boy is going to spend the rest of his life trapped as a captive of demons, and he needs to be set free.
We are called, I believe, folks, to learn, to practice the presence of God, not just in mountaintop experiences and glory experiences, but in everyday life. We're meant to learn how to be people who care, who, who easily, easily enter into God's presence as we, as we set patterns in our lives of prayer and time in the word and time just waiting on God. Easily enter into his presence and easily carry that presence into ordinary, everyday things. Um. Encounters of the extraordinary presence of God are rare in Scripture. I mean, we, we look at them, you know, I don't know, I've never counted them. Let's say there's a hundred descriptions in Scripture of extraordinarily encountering God's presence and power. The Scriptures were written over 1,500 years wasn't a daily experience. Extraordinary encounters of the presence of God are rare, but God desires His people to be ones who carry the glory of God in the ordinary. That we're willing to go down the mountain into the valley and we're willing to touch the lives of people who need the hope of God. Not to hold on to it for ourselves, but to give it away. Last passage I want to, to, to read is 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10. Pick it up. Um, halfway through the verse. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, this is the Apostle Paul writing, talking about how God had given him some of those extraordinary encounters of the of the of the presence of God. He'd 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 had some pretty amazing encounters, and and so he said. Um, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. We don't know exactly what that is. He doesn't describe it. Um, some say it was a person. Some say it was an illness. Um, some personality flaws. We don't know what it was. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. In insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
We often misquote that to say, when I am weak, he is strong. That's not what it says. When I am weak, then I am strong. If we're honest, we often, all of us, want to offer God our strength. In fact, we often think that we have nothing God wants unless we can show ourselves strong. But it's not our strength that God needs, and it's not our strength that he's looking for. If we're strong enough to do things ourselves, then we have absolutely no need for him and his glory and his power. We're good, thanks. Don't need you, God. Got it. Right? Yes, he will use our strengths for his glory too, but what he wants more than anything is for us to recognize and admit and even revel in our weaknesses. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? We would much rather hide our weaknesses. We would love to pretend we don't have any, right? And when someone points them out, we get embarrassed and defensive, and, and we might start pointing out a few of theirs, right? But God is looking for people with the humility to be able to say, yes, you're right, I'm terrible at that. I'm no good at that at all, but God is helping me, but God is helping me. A weakness surrendered to God is the perfect place for God to show his power. Then when God does something amazing, everyone will know it wasn't, wasn't me that did it. It wasn't my wisdom, it wasn't my idea, it wasn't my strength, it wasn't me, it was, it was God through me. I love those moments when God's glory comes in a way that we're just like, I never want to leave this. Like, we've had those moments and I just love that. But God wants to use us in really simple, ordinary ways. Let's stand. We're going to take a few moments, a few minutes. Like I said, this, I'm just going to turn this room. Uh, let me say this. If you're tempted to sneak down and start on the soup while we're having a time of prayer, or if you're tempted to take off because, well, I don't really want to do that anyways. Let me just say we've got some really important uh, information we want to share with you at the end of the service. So don't, don't go anywhere, please. If, if, if you're not into this, just, just sit and enjoy the music. Enjoy what's going on around you. But I bet you if you lean in and you say, God, do you want to do something in my life today? I bet you he does. I bet you he does. We're going to take about 
I don't know, five or seven minutes. We're just going to turn this room into a prayer room. And uh, we're going we're gonna to start with a song of response, but then Pastor Graham's just going just gonna to play some music. You want to sit and just soak in, in God's presence, you're welcome to do that. But I want to encourage you, if, if you're a walker, I'm a walker. When I pray, I'm a walker. I need to walk. So, so if you, if you want to walk around, you want to kneel, you want to come up here and kneel, we're just going to, for the next few minutes, just going to wait on God. God, what do you want to do in me? What do you need me to surrender to you? What are you up to today in my life? Okay. Feel the rain of your love, feel the wind of your spirit. Can we get the lyric, lyrics up for that? Yeah. Feel the rain of your love, feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. Let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven. Feel the rain of your spirit, feel the wind of your spirit, of the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. Feel the rain of your love, feel the wind of your spirit, now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear. Let
Let's just take the take a moment and pray for for our church, for our families, for our city. Our city needs and deserves. We've said this, we've said this a number of times. Our city deserves a church in touch with God, deserves a church filled with the power of the Spirit, ready to walk into the ordinary with the, with the, with the power of God in our lives, see people's lives change, not because we're good, not because we're smart, not because we've got the answers, but because of Jesus in and through us. So let's pray. God, we thank you. Just lift up your voices. Just, just pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your spirit that was poured out on the church, God. Not just for us to, to receive it and enjoy your presence and your power, but God, so that we could be empowered for the mission that you've called us to. We pray for our church. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us in a fresh way. We are in need of you. We're desperately in need of you, God. We don't preach a powerless gospel and we don't, we don't walk a powerless path, but God, you have promised your spirit. You have promised your spirit. We have everything that we need by the power of your spirit. God, pour out your spirit upon us in a fresh way. We hunger for you. We thirst for you. We need you. We don't want to bring people to a dead religion. We want to bring them to the life of Christ, to the, the spring of living water, to, to Jesus who's alive. So fill us with your power. Fill us with your glory in a fresh way, we ask. We call on you, Lord. Come and move in our lives. Come and move in our lives, Holy Spirit. surrender ourselves to you we we recognize our weakness God, without you we are we are spiritually bankrupt we've got nothing to offer but thank God you are at work in our lives thank God you have poured out your spirit upon us move in our lives we ask in Jesus name God we pray for our region pray for the shallower region. God needs an outpouring of your spirit, needs to be transformed. 
family after family, community after community needs the hope of Christ, I pray that you would move through our lives, God. God, you have strategically placed your people, I believe, in every neighborhood of this region so that, God, every neighborhood can have someone who stands up for the kingdom and declares the hope of Jesus. God, pour out your spirit and raise up a people that are full of your spirit. We would move in power. We would move in in your strength, God, to declare your good news, your gospel. We would see lives changed, families changed. God, that you would break the back of addiction in our region, in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit. God, that you would rob fear of its strength by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name.